Good morning. morning. How y'all doing this morning? Fantastic. I must have done something right the last time because they let the Mexican back. Uh, So I'm here with you this morning. You're stuck with me. Unfortunately, our pastor isn't feeling too good. That's why he's not here in the first service. Uh, So we definitely want to keep him in prayer. Hopefully, he's going to be able to make it to the second service uh, with us. But uh, as you all know, we've been going uh, through this Apostles' Creed. Um, What do you believe? And with this series, we started um, Easter uh, Sunday. uh, And we want to challenge you as to what your belief system is. I'm going to know church is a great place (laughs) to base your belief system upon. Amen. Uh, Because hopefully it's a church that preaches Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. Everybody believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you do say amen. Amen. Fantastic. Um, If you do not have your little tassel, um, you didn't get one when you came in, please uh, raise your hand and we will certainly get you one. Um, We are going through this series again and on this little tassel has the different weeks. Uh, Again, we are on week three, living with Jesus as Savior. Uh, also on the back of that is the actual creed, the Apostles' Creed. Um, we've been challenging you to actually go through this creed on a daily basis. Um, it is not scripture, uh, but it's based upon scripture. It wasn't written by the apostles, although it has the Apostles' Creed on it uh, as a title. Um, it was actually written by the early church. And so um, we want you to get a hold of this, grab the vision that we're, we're sending out with this. Amen. And that is what we believe. And today, just like the past weeks, we have a memory verse that we'll be going through, uh, going over. And, uh, so that will be fun as well. Don't be scared and don't leave, please. Uh, that'll be fun, but let's go before the Lord in prayer. Shall we this morning? Father, thank you so much for all God that you're doing in us and through us. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for sending him to die for our sins. Lord, this morning as we speak of the man, we ask that, Lord, if they don't know you, Father, if there's not a relationship there, God, Father, that this morning um, you will show yourself faithful to them, that they'll believe Father, because of your word that's spoken this morning. Um, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, I pray. Be with us today and all God's children said, amen and amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20, verse 26 through 29. And I'm kind of throwing that at the guys there as well. Uh, I'm reading out of the NIV. (laughs) They love it when you do this. Again, this is a review of what George spoke Easter weekend. John chapter 20, verses 26 through 29. And it says this. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hands and and put them in my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many believe this morning in Jesus Christ? Can I see a show of hands? Amen. We are those, blessed are those that haven't seen. We didn't see Jesus, right? We weren't there when Thomas was putting his hands uh, in Jesus' hands and in his side. We weren't there. But because we were told, because we read, because it was revealed to us, we have all said, I believe, amen. And if you haven't, hopefully today will be your day. How many know that what you believe in life matters? We can't just go through life uh, being tossed to and fro about every wind and wave of doctrine. We can't live our lives like that. What we believe matters. And how many know as Christians, we need to live what we believe? Amen. Just saying it out of our mouth means nothing. It means nothing if we don't have the actions to back it up. If this is your first time here, like Walt said, we welcome you. Uh, we thank you for being here with us. Uh, please give the church a second chance. Uh, <laughs> you might not like my style of teaching, preaching, uh, but Walt has a different style. Pastor George, a different, uh, more different still. And so uh, please give the church a second chance if you don't like the Mexican that's up here in front of you today. Um, but I hope you will. The Apostles' Creed, it was written in 150 A.D., and we, read, or we just heard uh, all the folks there going through everything that, number one, we've been through. The first week was, I believe in God the Father, that George went through. And I'm going through today, Jesus Christ, his only son. <clears throat> the document was written again in 150 AD, and it declares what we as Christians believe about Jesus Christ about God the Father, and about the Holy Spirit. Next week, Walt is going to be going through that series about the Holy Spirit, and I can't wait to hear that. Living with Jesus Christ as Savior, we want to look, first of all, about what the meaning of Savior means. Particularly what it means to know Jesus as your Messiah. John 1, in the NIV says this, it says, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. What does Messiah mean? Not what we think it means, but what does it truly mean? It means divine Savior. Divine Savior. Messiah is the Hebrew word that the Greek translated Christos, it sounds Spanish, but it's not. If it was, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you what it meant anyways, because I don't speak Spanish. But the early church actually made it a part of Jesus' name when they said, Jesus Christ. You were actually saying, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior. We sing the song, and uh, Walt didn't get it through the Spirit. Jesus, Messiah. Uh, we sing that often here in, in service here. Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, the Rescuer. How many know that he's rescued us? 
He's saved us. We, we've, for, for so long, we've just kind of clichely said, I'm saved. <laughs> and we throw that out as a, as a Christian term and kind of Christianese type of stuff. But what does that mean? That means he's rescued me. He saved me from a life of death, hell, and the grave. He saved me. <clears throat> Early on, the disciples realized that Jesus was more than just human. Now, the Bible teaches that Jesus was 100% human, but he was also what? 100% God. Do you believe that this morning? It's hard to fathom, I know, because we live in this tangible world where, you know, God doesn't walk around in a body to us. <laughs> but 2,000 years ago, he did, and his name was Jesus Christ. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three persons, distinct persons, personalities. Jesus the Messiah, he's the fulfillment of the entire Hebrew scripture. He is Jesus the Christ, or Jesus the Savior. Just like the enemy, though, in 325 AD, I'm going to throw a little theology out to you. A guy by the name of Arius tried to dissolve that Jesus Christ was fully divine. He and some of his followers believed that Jesus was only human, not God at all. But four centuries prior to this, the early church knew that he was 100% God, that he was 100% man. So also in 325 AD, the church officially wrote it down. They put it down and said, no, no, no. We believe that he is 100% God and 100% man. How many know that, that this causes uh, some issues with us as Christians as well? Uh, excuse me, as a people group. Because we got to believe then that, okay, if Jesus is everything that he said he was, I must either accept him as my Savior, as my Lord, as my rescuer, or I must reject him. And how, how many know that by not accepting him, you reject him? The question that we're going to examine today is how he relates to our life, or better said, who is Jesus for me? And through this whole sermon this morning, I want you to keep that in the forefront of your mind. Who is Jesus to me? Because in the Apostles' Creed, we say that I believe in Jesus Christ's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father and will come to judge the living and the dead. So by that profession of the Apostles' Creed, we are saying that I believe Jesus is everything he says he is. Matthew 16 Verses 13 through 16. 
It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesar Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah the prophet. And Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. How many know it's important to Jesus to know who do you say that I am? (laughs) Jesus wanted to know who do you say that I am? Okay, it's okay that everybody else thinks whatever they think, but who do you, my closest ones to me, who do you say that I am? So this morning, the big idea is just that. It's not a statement. It's actually a question this morning. Who do you say that I am? Am I just a prophet Am I Jeremiah or John the Baptist or Elijah to you? Who do you think that I am? Hmm. Through the world today, there exists an unbelievable fascination with Jesus Christ, both for the Christian and the non-Christian. Amen? They wear a cross on the t-shirt, belt buckle. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Like that. Crosses, chains, amen. Anywhere and everywhere you look, it's got Jesus written all over it. And whether you praise him, whether you adore him, whether you curse him, the name of Jesus is said throughout the world more than any other name. (laughs) More than any other name. The question that we're asking today is very personal and it's this. What is Jesus to me? Who is he to me? What difference does he make in my life? Can you answer that this morning? What difference does Jesus Christ make in my life? Many of us who have been maybe serving the Lord for years and years can immediately start rattling off things that Jesus has done. First of all, he saved me. He set me free. I was going one way and all of a sudden I found Jesus and now I'm going the opposite direction. He's delivered me from situations and circumstances that I couldn't get out of myself. Do any of those things sound familiar? (laughs) Do any of those things resonate in your heart this morning, church? For centuries, every recorded word of Jesus that has been spoken has been relentlessly analyzed. Each year, the Bible is the most printed, it's the most read, it's the most precious, and it's the most public book in the entire world. It's undeniable that Jesus has made an incredible difference and an incredible impact on our lives. Throughout the world, people have made decisions to know who he is. Throughout the world, people have rejected him. (laughs) 
Some haven't had the opportunity, but they will. How many know that Jesus matters? That renovation, our number one core value, the number one belief that determines everything that we do as a church is this, that Jesus truly does matter. Let me ask you this, church, does he matter to you? Does he matter to you? So as my Savior, Jesus makes a difference in my life in three important ways. And these are the ways that we're, or these are the, the, the bullet points, if you will, that we're going to go through this morning. The first one is this. Jesus offers forgiveness for my past. Let me read it the way you've got it. <laughs> for my past, Jesus offers forgiveness. Jesus offers Forgiveness. How many of you know if you're being, being real uh, with e- yourself and each other, uh, we sin on a daily basis? <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Is there anybody here that doesn't sin? <laughs> if so, you might have a secret that I want to know. Whether it's things that have been said, things that have been done, things that have been thought, they're all mistakes. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God, amen. We've missed the mark. And with missing the mark, with sinning, how many know that there's always consequences to those sins? Amen. There's always consequences to those sins. If I punch a wall full blown with my hand, what's gonna happen? Either the wall's gonna break or my hand's gonna break. Amen. Consequences to my actions. More than likely, if I, break, uh, if I punch this brick wall over here that's a faux brick, but if it, say if it was real brick, if I punched it, what's going to happen? My hand is going to break. Doesn't matter how strong I am. Doesn't matter um, what. <laughs> my hand is going to break. Consequences. Other consequences to sin are hurt, shame, and regret. A little more tangible for what maybe some of us have gone through, or or maybe this morning you're going through some of those consequences to sin, hurt, shame, and regret. But the most devastating consequence to sin that we as Christians have found and believe is it separates us from God. Amen? Sin separates us from God. It creates a barrier between God's blessings, God's healings, and his very presence in our life. As a result, when we have messed up, we do one of three things uh, to try to deal with these consequences on our own. Number one is we try to bury it. We, We try to act like it never happens. Maybe you or someone you know, maybe it's your good friend that tries to bury these things. Act like it never happened. Ignore it. The elephant in the room, so to speak, but we try and we try to ignore it. The second thing we do is we try to blame others for it. How many know nobody wants to take responsibilities for their actions in this day and age? Uh, you heard of the lawsuit going, that went down at McDonald's for a guy that uh, grabbed his coffee cup, and when he grabbed his coffee cup, um, a little spilled, and he burned himself. But he sued McDonald's because um, it was hot coffee. 
Now, just, just, as, as, just so you know, the coffee back there is very hot. So <laughs> if, if, uh, if you burn yourself, you've been warned. But the thing about it is um, he won the court case. He won that court case. And in my heart of hearts, I'm saying, dummy, that was your fault. That wasn't McDonald's fault. That wasn't the coffee's fault. But how many know in this day and age, we don't want to take responsibility for our own actions? Amen. Uh, kids today, they don't want to take responsibilities for their own actions. They'd rather blame a friend, blame the circumstances, blame whatever they can. Just, it's not me. <laughs> I got a police officer over there shaking his head like he knows what I'm talking about. The third thing we do is we beat ourselves up over it. Maybe some of you here today, um, because of the consequence of sin in your life, you continually beat yourself over the head. You allow it to play in your mind over and over again. I should have done this. I should have said this. There's good news for you today. How many know that we can't free ourselves no matter how hard we try from the consequences of those sins? I'm powerless against it. How many know we need Jesus? And this is why. Romans 6.23 says this. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Messiah, our Savior. There is only one real solution for the wages of sin, for the mistakes that we make. There's only one real way to escape the consequences of sin. Now, how many know what that is? His name is Jesus. Acts 13, 38, and this is one scripture that you guys do have. Acts 13, 38, and 39 says, and this is the contemporary English version, it says, my friends, the message is that Jesus can forgive your sins. The law of Moses could not set you free from all your sins. But everyone who has faith in Jesus is set free. It didn't say some sins, did it? It said every sin. How many know it's not something that we've done so many people try to save themselves, if you will, by being just a good person. I'll just do what's right. I'll just do the good stuff. I'll just be a good person. Does it work, church? No, that doesn't work. I've heard so many people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need the Bible. I don't need Jesus. I just need to be a good person. And in their heart of hearts, they're genuinely believing that. And it amazes me. Because if we could do it ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the church. We could do it all by ourselves. Hmm. Romans 5, 15 through 21 says this. And what a difference between our sin and God's generous gift of forgiveness. For this man, Adam, brought death to many 
through his sins. But this other man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. How many know what Jesus did on the cross? Did it all. He paid the price once and for all. Is it Easter about bunny? A, a, a bunny? Is it about eggs, Easter eggs? No, certainly it's not. It's a cute little thing that our kids get, get into and that's fantastic. But we've got to make sure that we let them know and they certainly know that it's because of Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Easter and him crucified. So what must I do to receive forgiveness today? Well, first of all, we've got to admit that we've sinned. I think everybody here, I don't think there was one person here that disagreed with me when, when I asked, is, has everyone sinned? Everybody knows that we are in a sinful nature. Our flesh is just that, it's flesh. It's a sinful nature. So the first thing to do is recognize that, man, I have missed the mark. I have fallen short. The second thing they need to do is believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for those sins and God raised him from the dead. God said he would forgive our sins unconditionally. 1 John 1, verse 1 and 9 says this, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Again, does it say just some wrong? No. It says every wrong. When God forgives us, he does it in three ways. He does it instantly. You don't have to beg. You don't have to keep asking. He does it instantly. It's done. Number two, he does it completely. No guilt or regret. It's done. It's over. And number three, he does it repeatedly because how many know that we're going to do it again? We're going to mess up. We're going to miss the mark. Why? Because we're robed in this flesh. It's going to happen. So for my past, Jesus offers forgiveness. So what difference does Jesus make for my present? And the second bullet point is this. For my present, Jesus offers significance. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought that there must be more than this? We sing a song as well. Um, Hillsong United there from Australia sang a song that, and, and some of the lyrics said this, there must be more than this. How many know that you, when, when you don't have an eternal destination, you're wandering through life without a clue? Personally, I would be scared out of my mind to think that there was no eternal salvation, that there was no heaven or hell. And that through, through Jesus Christ, I can have that eternal life and go to this place called heaven. Huh. I don't know, like, 
Walt was saying earlier, we're going to be starting again. I believe it's on the 24th, if I'm not mistaken, the next Alpha course. Y'all, if you've not experienced the Alpha course, I want to encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to check it out. And the Alpha course, it is an opportunity to come with your questions, to come with your doubts, to come with your emotions, your feelings about life, to come with your baggage, whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through right now, it's a time that you can come together and you can question it. You can ask questions of it. And there's nobody there. What I love about Alpha is there's nobody there that's saying, this is the right way to do it and you must do it this way. No, no, no. Alpha allows you to explore it for yourself. <laughs> there's no condemnation in the Alpha course. It allows you to work through it yourself. And so, again, I would certainly encourage you to do that. But this is one of the questions that we ask ourselves. What purpose do I have on this earth? When I was pastoring, one of the most asked questions that, that people would, would come to me and ask was, what's the purpose of my life? They say, Jay, Jay what, what am I supposed to be doing here? I just feel like there's something else that I need to be doing. How many know that we all have, and this is kind of a little cliche as well, but we all have a God-shaped hole in our lives, amen? A hole that only he can fill. So if we don't have him in our lives, we're constantly trying to figure out what, what can I fill this hole with? What can I fill this void with? And so we try multiple things. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, you name it, we try it, don't we? We try to fill that hole, but to no avail. And so we, we continually wonder in our minds and in our hearts, God, what is this about? And at the time, we don't know that it's Jesus that we're missing. The beauty about Jesus is when he came on the scene 2,000 year, years ago, he talked about a new way of living, a new way of life. He said that there was a difference between just existing and really living. How I many know I, I don't want to just exist? Amen. I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just be here wandering. I want my purpose to be known and I want my purpose to be walked out through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Between survival and success, there is real significance in your life. How many know some people work 18-hour weeks, 20-hour weeks to try to fulfill that void as well. They try to attain, obtain that success. But once they get there, it's futile. It's worthless. And that God-shaped hole is still in the middle of our hearts. Living a life that matters is what we want. Amen? Is that what you want this morning? To live a life that matters? Living a life with purpose. In Acts chapter 16, verse 30, I'm going to tell a quick story about Paul and Silas. And how many know, I love the Apostle Paul, uh, not only for what he did, but I, I, mean, I love reading about the story of the Apostle Paul because of the radical change that happened on the road to Damascus. 
Paul was persecuting the church and at the, name, at the time his name was Saul. And God appeared to him, blinded him, took him off his horse and said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? Lord told him to do some things. After doing those things, he became one of Christ's biggest advocate. But in this story in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 30, uh, Paul and Silas were jailed because they were preaching the name of Jesus. They were preaching Jesus as Lord. Up to that point, Caesar was Lord. When the apostles were, were going through, they said, no, 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 uh, Caesar is just a mortal man. He's flesh, just like you and me. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Savior. And they didn't like this teaching, the Romans. So they put him in jail. And Paul and Silas, as they were in jail, they didn't fret, they didn't toil, they didn't argue, complain. They didn't put their fists up to the jailers and say, you need to be saved, brother. You need to know who this Jesus is. What they did was, they simply did what we did this morning. The Bible says that they praised. They praised God. And it's an amazing story because as they praised God, the Bible says that the ground shook and they were set free. <laughs> the prison doors were open. In verse 30, it says this, the jailer let them out of the jail. And this is from the Message Bible. And they asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> How many know that the jailer had never seen someone that had a relationship with Christ? Amen. The jailer had never seen this display of faith and this love of their God in this way. And the Bible says that the jailer and his family came to know Christ because of this. The importance of living what we believe, church, is that people are watching, are they not? People are seeing exactly what we're doing. Amen. And the example that Paul and Silas gave us was we need to be about one thing. And that's about our father's business. And as we're about his business, he takes care of our business. Amen. Paul and Silas were able to minister to this jailer because their eyes were focused on God. This morning, church, are your eyes focused on God? How many know that God is still changing lives today? I've been serving the Lord for 19 years and, and, and what a joy it's been. If you heard my first testimony, the first time I spoke was about my testimony of my son and how my wife and I lost our son, our baby boy. And again, I'll say, church, that without Jesus Christ in my life, I'd be nothing. I wouldn't be here today. I promise you that. What Jesus done, has done for me in my life has been extraordinary. Nothing short of a miracle. 
the beauty about that is I've been able to, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, lead people to Christ. Actually, praying with them and them starting a relationship with God themselves. My prayer is, number one, that you yourself are saved, that you're set free, that you've been rescued. But number two, as you serve the Lord, you find your purpose. You find that relationship with Jesus Christ and you walk it out. And you're able to live it. And that people, just like Paul and Silas were able to do, people will come to you and say, what must I do to have what you have? John chapter 8, verse 12, New Living Translation says this, Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. There is more to life than just existing. Church, there's significance. (laughs) Significance. There's purpose. How many want that purpose in their lives? Amen? And how many know that it's a daily walk with Jesus Christ? So he matters for our past because he offers forgiveness. He matters for our presence because he's all, he offers significance. And the third point is this. He matters for my future because Jesus offers eternal life. How many of you have ever heard someone ask, what happens after life? <laughs> is there anything that happens after life? It's interesting to see someone feedback from that. Um, Some don't believe in a heaven or a hell. Some believe that once you die, you die. Oof, wow. How bleak is that? Some fear, what does the future hold for me? Have you ever asked that question for yourself? What does the future hold for me? I don't think it's a bad question. How many know that we don't know sometimes? Amen? New jobs, new school, new place to live, whatever the case may be, we don't know what the future holds sometimes. But how many know this, that the Bible says that Jesus didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind? It's okay to ask questions but don't go as far as to fear it. The beauty about what Jesus did on the cross is that we have direction through Jesus Christ. Jesus was speaking to a woman in John 11, 25 and 26 in the New Living Translation. He said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they might die like everyone else, will live again. They won't perish. Do you believe this? He asked her. The Bible says it's appointed unto every man to die once and then judgment. Each and every one of us are going to see the grave. Amen. It's inevitable. We all know how it works. 
But the important thing is who you have right here in your heart. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to be your rescuer, we have the hope of glory that we're going to be in heaven one day with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our hope. Jesus says, and he says that you will die, yes, but you will live again. What's he talking about there? He's talking about that eternal life that we have through Christ Jesus. So I ask you this question, what do you believe? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that he's your savior? Do you believe that he offers everlasting life? Do you believe? What does it take to make this a surety? What does it take to know that, man, I'm going to make it? You might ask this morning, Jay, what, what do I need to do to go to this heaven? What do I need to do for forgiveness of my sins? What do I need to do? And I would simply say this, and I'm going to read it through Romans 10, 9. Again, through the NIV, it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. And this is our memory verse today. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you know every week we've been going through, we've been doing memory verses, so I want you to do this memory verse with me, amen? We know Pastor George likes to do it a certain way, so we're going to appease him. And we're going to start by saying Romans 10.9, okay? Everybody say it with me. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. All right, you know the drill. Let's do it again. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, All right, let's try to do it again. Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, uh, very good. Again, here we go. Excellent. All right, let's do it again. Ready? last, no, second to last time. <laughs> Romans 10, 9. Here we go. Romans 10. All right. La oh, second to last time now. Ready? Here we go. Romans 10, 9. All right, last time, promise. Here we go. Ready? 
Romans 10, 9. If you can... Jesus. Amen. Amen. How many know that this is an amazing scripture to know? And now this is a scripture that you can have in your arsenal. When Jesus, or when people come and ask you, what, my, what must I do to be saved? When they come to you because they see the example that you've set with for them. When, when they see that uh, they, they are in need of a savior. Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9. What must I do? How many know that it's nothing of our own good? Let me repeat that. It's important for us to realize that it's nothing that I've done, nothing that I can say, nothing that I can do for that eternal life. Amen. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. When you give your life to the Lord or if you've given your life to the Lord, how many know that, that we're still not perfect? Do we still sin? Yes, indeed we do. Do we still have doubt sometimes? Yes, we do. If we're real with ourselves, we do. But we have an assurance, folks. We have an assurance of that eternal salvation. There's a teaching about eternal salvation. And it's this, that once you've given your life to the Lord, you'll never lose that salvation. And I believe it in this way. If in your heart of hearts, you've said this scripture and you truly believe. How many know that some people, once they hear about this, they think, okay, well, I'll just say a prayer then, right? I'll just say the prayer of salvation and I'll be saved and it's a done deal and, and I can do whatever I want and live my life however I want and it's a done deal and I'm sealed no matter what. Mm, wrong. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, he did it for one reason and one reason only, that we might be saved and that we might have a relationship with God Most High. Church here at Renovation, we, we, we don't believe in religion, so to speak. We believe in a relationship with God. A relationship with God. And that means walking out that relationship with God. Now, I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to say that you're not saved. That's between you and the Lord. But what I'm saying is through the scriptures we, we read that it's a belief. It's a belief that comes in here. And then it becomes a walk. How many know that we've been bought? with a price. Let's read John 1, 10, verse 13, or excuse me, John 1, verses 10 through 13. And it says this, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, 
but a birth that comes from God. You've been bought with a price. When you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, he puts his stamp of approval on you. You're signed, sealed, delivered. It's done. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says this. They replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. How many know it's important that we have an eternal salvation? There is a heaven, folks, and there is a hell. And you have a choice. You can ask Jesus into your heart and go to heaven or you can deny him and you can go to hell. Period. Nothing watered down there. Just in your face. Mexican talk. Church, this morning, I, I, I only can hope that you've made this decision. But I want you to know that if you haven't made the decision, it's not too late. If it, you haven't asked Jesus Christ into your heart, it's not too late. This morning you can receive him as your Lord and Savior. Amen? This morning I would ask you to, to close your eyes and bow your head and I'm just going to ask a simple question. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Are you living with Jesus as your Savior, as your Rescuer, as your Redeemer? If in your heart of hearts you're saying yes and you know it's signed, sealed, and delivered, praise God, guys. Good for you. If you've never asked that question or if you've never answer Jesus as he's knocking on the door to your heart. This morning I ask you, will you answer? Will you say yes to him this morning? Because he gives that forgiveness for our past. Because he offers purpose for our presence. And because for our future, he can give you eternal life. This morning I ask you, will you pray with me and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life? And at renovation we simply say this, sorry, thank you, please. Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done, said, thought. And I'm sorry for the things maybe I haven't done, said, and thought. Forgive me of those sins. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus Christ, your son, to die on the cross for those sins. And please, give me the Holy Spirit to guide me through life. Sorry. Thank you. Please. Please.